It's still a little bit taboo for women, particularly Caribbean women, to share their personal experiences publicly. As the old folks would say, this is a no-no, you shouldn't be airing your dirty laundry in public. There is this notion that women should suffer silently as this somehow makes us stronger. I want to end that narrative. This podcast, Taboo, the stories of Caribbean women, is all about Caribbean women speaking up, owning, embracing, and sharing their truth in the hopes that it may help other Caribbean women. Welcome back, everyone. As you know, my name is Kiara James, and I am the creator and host of this podcast, Taboo, the stories of Caribbean women. I have a guest with me in the studio. You know how it is, guys. I mean, how many episodes? I have to say the same thing. I have a guest with me in the studio. I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about what her story entails. Hi, everyone. <laughs> My name is Nike Liniska. The T is silent. And I am a Haitian-American, um, a millennial, um, creative. And I am so happy to be here, Sierra. Uh, thank you for having me. I love the um, podcast. And I love your accent. It's the ah! best thing ever. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to be on this podcast. So tell us a little bit, what is your story going to, what are you sharing with us today? Right. Um, So I just wanted to come on and share um, kind of my journey, number one, here to America and Mm. um, as a creative and and kind of getting into this um, non-traditional career space that I'm in. Um, and I think that a lot of people can relate, especially as Caribbean um, yes. women, yes. where, you know, there's those expectations. We're, so we're just going to be chatting a lot about the traditional expectations and coming to America and how, how powerful that kind of move is. And, you know, what I'm trying to do with my life, um, seeking success. Yes, I'm very excited to have you. I think a lot of uh, Caribbean people um, know what it's like, um, either themselves uh, doing the moving from the Caribbean to the U.S. or to foreign, Mm -hmm. as we like to say, right? Um, I would have lived there for eight years. I came to school. There are lots of Caribbean people who migrate, would have gone at an early age, would have gone a little bit later on in life. And so I think that these are some conversations that we haven't really had as yet on taboo and things that are definitely experienced a lot uh, with Caribbean women um, in general, right? Having to up and move. So um, people don't know your story, so let's talk a little bit about it. So you are originally from Haiti. You would have grown up there, well, had a little bit of your childhood um, in Haiti. So tell us what that uh, was like, if you have any memories of it. What are the memories or things that you remember from your childhood days growing up in Haiti? So, yeah, so I think because I'm so Americanized, people don't know I'm actually, I was actually born in Haiti. Um, And I have some flashes of, like, memory, like, um, my house in Haiti and, like, just, like, going to school, getting on the tap-tap bus and getting on, like, the crowded buses, 
to get to school wearing uniforms, getting in trouble with my, you know, professors and like, you know, eating, eating the food and having pets. We had lots of pets um, and just being like so carefree as a child. Um, and just so it's like little flashes because I did leave when I was five, but mm-hmm. I still like, I feel like I, I remember so vividly how it felt to be there. Um, and so, yeah, so I came here, um, with my two sisters and my mother. And unfortunately we had to leave my dad behind, you know, paperwork and all that stuff. I think the plan was to go to America and then, you know, file for him and, and get some stuff in order and bring mm-hmm. him over. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. That we, I saw my dad eight years later. So I saw my Ooh. dad like, yeah. So I ended up seeing my dad when I was like in my teens. So you could imagine how I like, like, yeah, not traumatizing, yeah, because. How, life changing that is you know you you think that right. it's gonna be soon and then i mean this is also way back in the day there's no there's no whatsapp <laughs> no you have to go to the you have to go to the corner store and get the, uh, get the cards <laughs> yes the cards and, get and the then call yeah i'm calling the numbers right. yes, yeah yeah yes. <laughs> And then you just get uh, you just get a couple minutes, and then it tells you it's gonna hang up. And you're like, okay, I gotta get another scratch ticket. I'll call you tomorrow. And uh, so that that was the experience, and so that sucked. And I it it was very impactful. I think um, getting to here, it was it's so funny because when you're a child, you you're so imaginative. You're just so in your head, right? Yeah. So I remember you know talking to my dad over the phone. And like imagining how he's like, as if I wasn't with him before, but you know, mm-hmm. kind of more grown up. Um, I think when you come from the Caribbean to America, especially at a young age, you're trying, to, you're focusing so much on assimilating. You're focusing yeah. on learning yeah. the language, getting things back. I got held back in like first or kindergarten or first or second grade because I still wasn't, you know, speaking right and doing things the way I needed to do. So I was so as a kid, so hyper-focused on assimilating and and becoming American. (laughs) So when I would speak to my father on the phone, I, all I could do was kind of imagine how he was like, imagine, I would tell, I would tell people, oh, my dad is, he's an artist, he's a big artist in Haiti, or he drives tap tap buses, you know, making things up because I'm just like, honestly, I don't, I'm not really sure. What um, does he? Mm-hmm. What, what? Who? Who he is? And so I just remember doing doing that. And so I know that coming from Haiti to America, in a sense, was traumatizing, mm-hmm. but not in a really bad way. But just like mm-hmm. cold, it was very shocking. We came during. We came a little bit after nine eleven, and then we yeah, and we came during the winter. So. Seeing snow Yikes. for the first time, yeah, yeah. seeing wow. white people for the yeah. white people for the first time, and getting like the airport was super strict. So like going through that, it was just such a experience. Like what the heck is happening? Mind you, when we left Haiti, I didn't know we were going to America. I just thought we were going like on a on trip. vacation. On the vacation or like to my aunt's house. No, we got oh, on a not even leaving. Oh, you didn't even think you were leaving the country. No, my oh, mom didn't tell me that. Oh, she didn't tell me oh any my. of that. No, no. So we, hmm. me and my sisters get dressed. 
we get in a in a it's so weird because i remember it so vividly we get on a on a little uh pickup truck we're sitting in the back and i'm just seeing my dad waving you know bye like see you later <laughs> did not see him for eight years that is insane that is insane Crazy. especially because you didn't know like didn't know yeah like you weren't prepared it was just i can understand why you would say obviously traumatic right not in, yes, not in a yes. not want to sensationalize it but yeah it's a little bit traumatic thinking i'm just going down the street or just going down by my aunt and i in a whole different country and i don't see my father for like eight years like that is a little bit insane yeah. but i want to backtrack yeah. a little bit uh to uh, because you said essentially it was your mom yourself and and your two sisters right so that's a group of women yep. Haitian mm -hmm. women coming into uh, the u.s right you're talking yes, about yes. the time when 9 11 happened so things already on edge you mm -hmm. uh, are different you look different you, you speak differently i mean were, yes. you even speaking, were you speaking english absolutely not no i can i tell you something i did not even know why people existed like that's how much like i just did not know anything did never seen a white person never heard english never none of that i came just like straight off the island right into the snow boom here we are with Let's your, go. With your like, Haitian French self yeah is, what exactly that is <laughs> <laughs> yes can you, can you imagine I, can, <laughs> you I, cannot, like, I literally cannot imagine can't imagine you know, I when cannot you're, when imagine you're young, no. they don't tell you anything they're not explaining to you hey this is the plan this is what we're gonna do because who cares they're just like who cares about you you're coming along we're mainly doing this for a better life for you so come come mm. it's like they're not they're not breaking anything down so it's like okay like and then it's like boom okay <laughs> so yeah so how long was that experience of uh, well not experience like the learning to speak english the uh, actually even before that like what did it feel like when you actually I mean, you're five. I don't know how much your mind is taking in what's going on, but you're five. You realize you're in a different place, a strange place. You clearly got on a plane, etc. Yeah. Do you have like any memories of like what your feeling was when you like got to the place that you were staying at? Yeah, I remember just like, so it's, Okay, let me explain, try to explain it this way. The, the feeling of coming to a new place and not speaking the language or understanding what's happening. You just feel like a silence in your soul, but your eyes are speaking and your eyes are watching, mm. right? So it's like my eyes are taking in everything, but my mouth can't say anything because I'm just mm. processing. So I remember coming the first place. I think we stopped in New York for a little bit for a couple of days. And then we came to Boston, which is where I live. And mm. um, when we got to Boston, we stayed with my grandma um, and my mother's mom, who she passed in 2005. Our rest rest in peace mama we mm -hmm. love you um so i remember we went into her house first a little apartment and it was like everybody was waiting for us i guess to see my mom you know her sisters yeah. all of my cousins so i remember walking into the house the little apartment 
I kid you not, over 30 people, literally over 30 people just in there like, y'all, so excited. Ah! When I tell you, I'm like, like silence. I'm just like, that's really what I remember just being silent Mm -hmm. and just watching and just seeing like, oh, this is your cousin. This is your cousin. This is your sister. I didn't know my mom had all these people. All I knew were my aunts who lived with us in Haiti. I thought that was our people, like my mom's sisters. Mm -hmm. I did not know she had more sisters who had already did the whole immigrating thing. They already went to America, built lives, had kids. They already did that. But I, all I knew were the ones that stayed behind. That was like my family. So I was like, whoa, like my mom has like nine sisters. I'm seeing all of them, all of their kids, which was all my cousins. And I'm just like, what is happening? And where's my dad? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. I can imagine. I mean, like that just sounds insane. It does a little bit. So what was your early school experience like? Because, I mean, eventually, mm-hmm. you got to learn some English. They throw you right. to the wolves in school. Right. Um, what was that experience like for you? Did you feel like an outsider? Um, did you already kind of yeah. start to adjust, to assimilate a little bit? What was that experience like? The good thing about when going coming here so young um, and I guess being Haitian in a sense was, is that I, um, there was a lot, there was a lot of Haitian kids in my school. Mm-hmm. So the community that I grew up in, a lot of Haitians lived there. So there were a bunch of Haitian, um, kids that spoke both Creole and English. So when I went okay. to school, I was able to create like have relationship with those kids like mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they were very welcoming like oh this is the new girl and she's Haitian so the Haitian girls would be like oh my god like and you know it's so easy <laughs> to joke with your your people right I'm sure like in your language it's even yeah. funnier in your language like so you you I, I assimilated into like a click mm-hmm. and me almost immediately so that made it so easy but I was still the kid that was being pulled out of class to go do the e um ESL classes, do the little English mm-hmm. classes. I had my own like um, uh, tutor or person that was like designated to me that would like do like whatever the class was learning. They would pull me out and be like, okay, break it down to me, try to help me to learn and pronunciate things right. And so mm-hmm. that was still happening. Um, but I, I didn't struggle with making friends because there was already like a community there. Um, that seemingly like was like prepared to take me in in a sense, and so that that it wasn't too hard. It was just kind of like obviously, let me catch up real quick to you guys in the English. I'll be right there. <laughs> like, but I had the support because they spoke Creole too, so I didn't need, I didn't feel any any pressure to to fit in immediately. Okay. Yeah. What about so your <clears throat> your home life? That experience has now changed. You've gone from mom and dad and siblings to now no dad um, with your grandmom, your mom, etc. So, um, mm-hmm. what was that home life adjustment? What did that feel like? Not having your dad there for that ex- extended period of time. Yeah. Um, 
so we would pretty much talk to him every day maybe multiple times a day so Mm. i didn't feel like far removed i just didn't know who he was it's so weird and it's so weird how i don't know if this was just my little mind or this is how kids are it's so weird that like when you're not around you become like non-existent to (laughs) you're like you're just non-existent and so it was like my dad didn't really exist in a physical form to me obviously because he wasn't physically there but like at some point i remember talking to my younger sister about about this she's only a year younger than me so and my sister older sister's three years older than me so we're very close in age so we're like experiencing the same thing i remember telling talking to my younger sister like do you remember what he looks like and she's like i don't remember what he looks like like i don't so we just have his Mm. pictures and his voice to kind of piece together a person um but that i would say like the house was so full because my mom has so many sisters, so many cousins, they would always hang out at my grandma's house after work, after school. The, the school was down was the street. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, our school was, was down the street. So we would walk back to home, to, to um, back home after school. And mm-hmm. everybody would always be there. So I, till this day, I'm really close to my cousins. Like all like 12 of us are on a group chat. Like literally as grown people they have babies married and everything we're always talking every day every day so we grew up very close we played all the time so i I never felt empty i always felt so full because Mm -hmm. there was always so many people around me like my mom worked her butt off um but it's even that didn't make me feel empty it's just always like overstimulated as a child with with friends that are like cut my cousins they're like my friends so it's just yeah. like I, I felt i felt really i got i got comfortable so quick like i got comfortable so quick it was to the point where i couldn't even speak creole like i was struggling to read i was like oh man like i'm i'm becoming so american like I, it just happened so fast um and, and and but it was i remember having such a fun childhood because it was so it was the most playful I got to be because Mm -hmm. I had so many people around yeah so what was it like the let's fast forward it's eight years later right you know Mm -hmm. speaking English you know you're American Asian American daddy is now back in the picture what was that like like seeing the person physically in front of you like getting to know the person in their presence what was that like as an experience yeah so my dad came back i think i was like 13 um so you can imagine i left as a kid now i'm a little teenager my little attitude (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm a little girl i'm a little woman now and stuff and so honestly when my dad came the first few i would say months was just like everybody kind of getting used to the new dynamic um of like my dad being there and like my mom would still work so hard so like my dad was making food it was not good um, he was not, he's not talented with the food so it was just like oh like we're eating sticky rice you know like it's just not giving and so it was a lot of like getting used to um, and I felt like I was trying to get to know this person. It was just like very, like a, it very much felt like a stranger mm-hmm. that I was trying to get to know. 
Um, and so it was like awkward, I would say, which is mm. so weird because it's like you talk to him all the time. But then when he came, I got nervous. So I was like, oh my yeah, God. It's a, different, like, it's a different dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, my dad's here. Like, oh God. And so, yeah. So I think the first few months or maybe even the first few, no, the first few months, it was very uncomfortable and weird and awkward. And I was like, oh my God, he's really here in the flesh. So weird. Um, and at the time too, I would say a couple of years before he came, cause my mom would go to Haiti, visit him. My mom would do mm. that. We never got to do that. Me and my younger sister, but my older sister did. Cause she really struggled with him not being there. Like she was like not good. So they yeah. would send her to Haiti periodically. And my mom had my younger brother. So, you know, her little visits, they did what they did. She came back pregnant. <laughs> she came back pregnant with a gift. And uh, even that, I don't even remember her being pregnant. I just remember her coming home with a baby. It's mm. so weird. Like, I don't know if it's me in my memory, or this is really how kids remember events. Yeah. Um, so she had my younger brother. So it was like, okay, I have a younger brother now. And then I have a dad. Um, those things didn't happen, like, at the same time. But, like, yeah. it was just, like, our family dynamic really shifted now. So it was, like... Okay, <laughs> still at my grandma's house at this point. She had, I believe, she had passed. Mm. Um, yeah, at this point, she had passed. So it was like, now this is our house, and you know, it, it's it's interesting. It was it was definitely a transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you uh, well, you already answered that you did not get a chance to return to Katie while your sister would have gone, your mom would have gone back and forth. Um, and my brother. And, oh, and your brother. Do you feel like you and the little brother. missed out on like missed out on a on a piece of you? You know, I wasn't able. I left when I was five. You know, do you have this yearning to return? home or feel like you missed out on something or there's something that's missing out of you know the culture exchange from the moving to the u.s and then not necessarily being able to go back and kind of like soak up that experience oh yeah ten thousand percent <laughs> I, and that's probably that's probably why i started my podcast to feel some sense of like connection to my culture like I've never been back ever since I left when I was five. I've never been back because just the state of the country has not has progressively gotten like really bad mm-hmm. as I'm sure you've seen on the news and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I was never able to go back. I so desire to go back. Honestly, I just might go back despite whatever's happening. Um, and so I definitely felt felt like a piece of me was like always some sort of a question mark. Although I could speak the language, I was born there. I have that, you know, leverage over other Haitian Americans. Like, I was actually born there. I'm like, oh, gee. Like, I'm authentic. I probably smell like the island. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, but then even still, I felt like, oh, man. Like, I wish I stayed a little longer to really yeah. like, know who I am in this sense. Like, it's so funny because in sixth grade is when I learned about Haitian history. I never knew about the revolution. I never knew anything. I mm. learned it in school. And I'm like, whoa, like, 
this is dope. Like, this is amazing. But yet, I still feel so disconnected. I feel like just another classmate learning I'm not, about yeah, culture. Yeah, not like yeah, you know, I, your cult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really outside of it. So I 10,000% I feel like, man, if I didn't leave at the time that I did, if I stayed a little longer, I would have gotten just a little bit more processing. Um, but you know, I still get it in the way that I live. My parents, most, my parents speak Creole, like they'll rarely speak English or well, my dad most sometimes he, he calls himself a white man. So <laughs> <laughs> he likes to throw in his English here and there. But so I'm just like, I get it the way I can, like the mm. food, the language, my friends, like, you know, the podcast, I just try to get it the way I can. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the podcast. Tell us what's in what is the name of the podcast? What's the name? Yes. Why the name? Right? What's yes. the name? Why the name? And then why you decided uh to do this podcast. Right, right. So the name of my podcast is Leko Legris Lakai. I'm sure if any Haitians listening right now, you already got it. So Lekol means school, Legris means church, and Lakai means home. And there's just a running joke, and I'm sure it's like in the entire Caribbean. Like there's a running joke, and specifically the Haitian community, where it's like that. Those are the only three places you can go. Like yeah, your parents, day, our parents, are, much. yes, <laughs> our parents are so strict. <laughs> they're so strict that it's like you you would never see a haitian girl or a haitian boy at any party you would never see us out just like out and about you would never see us like tongue pierced you would never see these things it was we were never allowed to do any of those things so it was like you go to school you go to church and then you go home. That's mm -hmm. it. <laughs> that's all you know. And so that's the name of the podcast. And so we basically just talk about growing up Haitian and the dualities of, of that, the um, deep, the deepness of some things in our culture and the way we were brought up and kind of like where we are now. And um, I've added a new component to it, which is faith, which is, um, because part of it is is legalies, which is church. Mm. Um, we talk. We I have a, a portion of the podcast where it's just testimonies. Where I have people come on and they tell their testimony. They talk about you know Jesus. They talk about their faith. They talk about their struggle with their faith, whatever. And so that's a new component I added this season actually. And that that piece of it has made all the difference on the podcast because so many people can relate it, it, whether it's negative or positive um, mm -hmm. reactions or feelings towards um, their faith or Christianity people engage with that content so much and so it's developing in that way but it's really all about growing up Haitian it's very funny a lot of people think the podcast is really <laughs> funny which it is because it's just like you just have no choice but to laugh like just laugh about how like we all really grew up the same way like we all like are the same people it's so crazy um yes so, there's yeah, this so common really thread this common thread between uh, caribbean people there are a lot of things that we identify with i don't know if you saw like there's this uh <clears throat> uh thing that has been going around on social media the first one i saw was actually a haitian one and it's like uh, reminding you of like back in the day and so you see uh, like powder and, and these frilly socks and stockings and the yes. jet I felt like I was transported into my child 
into my childhood. And I yes. see like so many other Caribbean people like, you know, identifying with it and be like, oh yeah, me too, you Jamaican. Oh yeah, me too, you're, you're Bajan. Yeah, me too. Like this is a, a like a common thread that people seem seem to have. So I can understand that as well. What I want to yeah. ask um, is uh, as a... Haitian American, you know, you, uh, you're doing this podcast, uh, you know, as a, you know, a way of, of talking a little bit about your culture, you have your family around. And so that culture has been pretty much passed down and around you as well. Do you feel like that has infiltrated into your like <clears throat> love life a little bit? Do you feel like, well, I only want to date, um, well, now that I have this extra yearning to go back to Haiti or to connect, <laughs> you know, uh, to connect with that place again, is it that you're looking for someone who can add that or are you pretty much just kind of open? You know, we always like to mind people business here on top. Yeah, That's so funny because I used to, when I was, I guess, when I was a teen, I'm 26 now, so like I guess when I was a teen, I used to be like, oh, I have to be with a Haitian man. I just have to. Like, I don't know why I thought that. I just probably felt like it would just be easier, you know, just to like get them into the culture. They already speak the language, they like the food, yada, 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 whatever. Comfortability. Um, yes. And. I guess when I was growing up, I would date. How many Haitians did I even date? I think I only dated like three. Three? Yeah, three. And I dated an Ethiopian and then I dated a, a, a regular black man. Um, and so after doing all this, the, the dating around, I'm like, y'all are all the same. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> like, it's not that deep. Like, I, I don't need to specify. I, I might even date a white man. Let me get a white man. Let me throw that in the mix. Because at this point, it's giving the same thing. It's copy, paste, copy, paste. You just change the flag. That's all it is. Um, so, no, I don't have any, I don't have any specificities, specifications for the culture. You're a good man. Come my way. Um, you just gotta be a man of God. You just gotta know how to pray. That's all I care about. And you got you gotta have something in your pocket. Um, other than that, I'm good. So no, I, at first, at first, this Haitian thing tried to influence me to be with a Haitian man, but I've seen too much, and I'm good. But shout out to all the Haitian men; they're amazing. My brother is Haitian. My dad is Haitian. Yeah, just slip that in. Slip that in at the end. Good, good way. Good, good, good job. Haitian men are great. Good stuff. Good quality. Uh, so tell me, um, what I want to hear from you is like probably the worst, if you have a worst experience that you would have had as an immigrant coming from Haiti, right? Um, and then one of the best experiences that's the worst one first and then what Ooh. is like the best experience that you could think the worst experience of me coming to america hmm. other than the in the fact that i didn't know that's what i was doing um hmm. the weather oh my god the weather you know i'm in new england boston the, like yes well, when was it 
couple days ago, last week, it was below zero. Some areas, it was like negative 18 degrees. It was where I'm at, it was like negative three degrees. And then the next day, it's 50 degrees. Sun is out. The birds are singing. I'm like, oh, my God, this is witchcraft. The weather here, demonic. The weather here is like, it's it's offensive. It's so bad. And so I remember when I touched down in America, I remember feeling the cold. And like when it snowed, I felt like literally somebody was taking a knife and like scratching mm. my skin. I was like, oh, your skin is horrible. Your hair is just not it. Like I have a cousin who visits here often. She's from Haiti. She comes here. She actually stays with me and my family often. And then her sister is actually here now. When they get here, their skin, they're like, I can't wait to go back. Like, they can't, they can't. They just start struggling. <laughs> they're like, my hair, my skin, it's like they're melting. They're like, oh, I can't. Like, they're falling apart. Weather, the worst thing ever. You could imagine coming from a beautiful island mm. to mm-hmm. here. It's, mm. it's, yeah, you would gag. Um, and I thought that. <laughs> The best, best. The snow. Every year I'm like, why do I live here? The snow is so bad. Um, let's see. The best experience of me coming here. Oh my gosh, so many things. I honestly have to recognize my privilege to even have been able to come to America. So shout mm-hmm. out to my parents for that. I always say, me and my sisters always say, my parents changed my entire our entire bloodline by making the decision to come here. Because mm-hmm. now we have the opportunity to to um, put poverty in its place and not not continue to to wrestle with poverty. Mm-hmm. We have the opportunity to thrive as just a, a people we have the opportunity to get an education we have the opportunity to help our family from haiti uh, because if we were never here we would never be able to give back and help them over there we mm. have so much so i do recognize the privilege it is to be here in, in america and get to do get to change your life and change your generation and so i know that my kids will bear the fruit of that decision to come mm. to America and and they'll they'll get it even better than I did and and so that's what I always think about and that's what I always cherish and that's what I oh, I never forget that I'm so grateful um so yeah just being in America because it's great to be on your island it's great to be in your own place but when your country is struggling there's no it seems like there's no hope it's just you think about that and you're like wow I really could have been back in Haiti under this corruption, constant Mm. anxiety, trying to make a living, not being able to, especially because of the field I'm in. Hey, I'd have not been eating (laughs) right now. So (laughs) I'd have been in Haiti walking the streets. Who needs a flyer? I can design it for you. Nobody needs one. You're not eating. (laughs) So I'm grateful to God that I'm here, honestly. Uh, so my last last question that I have for you um, is uh, kind of what you want those who are listening to take away from your story. You know, you shared with us mm-hmm. 
you know, coming across the U.S. at a, at a really young age, not even knowing that you were going, you know, uh, being separated from your dad for, you know, a cool eight years, that readjustment, you know, now assimilating also into uh, the American culture, but also not forgetting your culture as well, right? So I think right. what what is that kind of key, like, last message that you're like, if anything that you take away from me sharing my story what is it that you want to leave uh, uh, the listeners with? Yeah. Um, I want to leave the listeners with this. And this is something that I tell and remind myself. This is something that encourages me. As you are moving in your purpose, don't forget where you came from. Not in a way to dis- to um, convict you or make you feel bad that you're like, out of there but to encourage you and to remind yourself that you are doing better than you would or could have i don't know if that makes sense that makes sense Just, to me <laughs> yes <laughs> yes i think that as a people caribbeans and stuff we're so headstrong we have our culture we're so rich in culture and i think that sometimes there is some guilt or there is some like feelings of inadequacy as you move forward in your life and you're doing well, or you come to this, the U S and you're doing your thing. Um, don't feel, um, like you're not worthy or able to make something great out of yourself because of where you came from. You know what I mean? Because Mm. the reason why you're there is because God called you there God needs you there so that you can make the difference for your own people. You know, I'm, I have a podcast and it mm-hmm. might be fun to listen to. It might be, it might move people. It might, you know, really inspire people, but there's a reason why I'm doing it. Um, and the reason is greater than getting on a mic and just talking about whatever. So do not forget that you're, you're moving forward. You're moving forward is for a purpose. I don't know. I feel like I said five messages. You take it all in. (laughs) Everything you heard. Be blessed. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. No, no. I I was with with you. I was with you. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your story with us today. Thank you, listeners for tuning in to uh, this week's episode and I will see y'all soon. Bye. Bye.